Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 381. And tonight, we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 235, Book Club. Oh, I love this concept. I miss being part of a book club. You know, I was never part of an actual book club. I mean, I had like a very casual thing going on at work for a while where a bunch of us would occasionally read some stuff and talk about it, but I never did the whole like really structured book club like you did. Oh, some friends of ours, they were actually, um, it was one of Nathan's former co-workers invited us to join and it did eventually collapse under the weight of its own drama, which fortunately was drama that had nothing to do with me, but my God, I will always remember that that book club was what recommended China Mieval to me, Perdido Street Station, and that's just, oh, it's such a magic magical experience to have like a book like that recommended that I never would have picked up on my own. Yeah, our little casual thing at work is, uh, I guess that was who recommended that I read the Twilight books. Oh my! Not not quite as successful. (laughs) I'll be very honest, the first couple Twilight books I don't mind, even the bit with the second one. I've said this before, you know, where she's like all like in pain and suffering because her boyfriend broke up with her and everything. I'm like, I don't know, it was satisfyingly angsty. I think that's fine. Not a really good message for young women and everything. Probably not. Second two books, not so much. But yeah, I guess that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so Cecil is starting a book club, and he says it's like when everybody in elementary school has to read the same book, and then he goes on to a really weird, scary tangent about people yelling at kids reading books. Yeah, yeah, the whole idea about you have to read this 700-page book that I think involved physics or something, and then you had to stand up and give a presentation in front of everybody while there was a loudspeaker that would occasionally say, wrong, at you and it would make you cry and nobody else would stand up for you. And it was just such a bonding experience. Yeah. This is going to be a much nicer experience because, of course, it's going to have Night Vale's resident book expert, Tumpika Flynn. Yay! And she's bringing with her the little lost boy from the previous episode. So I'm glad to see that that's carried over. Um, she's a little stressed, but it's just because she doesn't have any experience raising small children. And he tends to wander away. Like, he wanted to see what's at the bottom of the pit of fun. And see, yeah. so it was like, oh, that's reopened? Yes, it has. Oh, God, we might want to have to reinstate the lottery. Oh, that sounds creepy. (laughs) Okay, so they're going to start off with a very fun read called Les Miserables, uh, written by Chicago native Victor Hugo. Yes, and I will just summarize this for you because they keep jumping back and forth to it. Of course... The book that they're reading has very little to do with the original Les Miserables other than the character names, but the story does involve time travel, so I kind of want to read that version. Oh, it involves time travel and one of the most unforgivable crimes you can commit, starting an improv comedy troupe. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Jean Valjean uh, starts that in prison, and they keep referring to that as like, yes, he's a person who's done many horrible things in his life. Gracious. So the kid wanders off like the kid does for the entire episode. And when Tamika goes to find him, Cecil takes us to breaking news. There's high winds and a possible sandstorm alert. Yes. So the weather uh, report is telling everybody to prepare to kill your double, which Mm -hmm. Cecil's like, I don't think I could bear that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the other thing that happens is I think the weathermen are all taking advantage of the high winds and they've made a new sport called floaty ball, which involves weather balloons. That sounds fun. Yeah. They just go up into the air attached to weather balloons and throw other balls at each other. (laughs) Sounds like a good time. 
Okay, so Tamika comes back. She did find the lost boy. He was with the cats who were hissing at him, but everybody's fine. And I'm like, that's good because you don't mess with Kashuk and the kittens too much. No, it does sound like the kittens were scared of him. And this comes up when Tamika talks about she decided to prepare for book club to go to the library, which, oh, no, the library... But she came prepared with all of her weaponry, but she never encountered any librarians because they were keeping their distance the entire time. And Cecil's like, well, I'm sure you've got a reputation. And she said, but there's always a respectful wariness with the librarians. They'll still engage in combat. But here... She barely saw any of them, and when she did, they would, like, lock eyes with her, and then they saw the boy, and then they just kind of make a break for it. So it seems like there's more going on with this little boy. Yeah. Who, by the way, has wandered off again. So Tamika goes to find him, and we go to the traffic, and they are talking about... I don't know, the wind has blown logs off of a truck and two dogs are fighting over a sock. And that seems to be the most of what traffic was about today. Yeah. Also, I think there was a glowing outline of a woman in a Victorian dress sort of thing that was causing some traffic snarls. But, you know, it's all caused by the storm. Yes, yes. Okay, so Tamika's back. She found the kid. He was over, I guess, in the supply room and she found him just messing with stuff, including a box of old switchblades. And she's like, why do you have a box of old switchblades? And Cecil's like, sound effects. She's like, oh, okay. Anyway, the kid was holding onto one of them and going, knife. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we've got the sponsor, and I think we've got another T-shirt moment here. Dave's Kites. And Dave's Mm -hmm. Kites has all kites, all the different kinds of kites, every kind you can imagine. We don't even know what kites look like. We have no idea how to make a kite. We just started this business because of a storm and it was really windy and it seemed like a good idea. And the tagline of the ad is Dave's Kites. What have we gotten ourselves into? (laughs) That seems to be the slogan of a lot of companies. My goodness. (laughs) Yes. Although I did like their idea. They said, oh yeah, we could have custom made kites. Yeah. You come in here and you tell us in detail exactly what you want and how it's supposed to work. Gracious. <laughs> so in between all of these moments, you know, the kid wanders off and the kid gets found and everything. And we get more summaries of the book with, like you said, is basically a lot of time travel and a very depressing ending. So the kid wanders off again. And now Cecil sees him climbing the tower and Tamika goes rushing off after him. And Cecil just can't look because it looks like the kid's going to fall. And so Cecil says, while this is all being sorted out, I'm going to take you to the weather. And we go to the weather. And I liked the weather. It was electric guitars and sort of a pop song kind of lyric sort of thing going on. And you and I were both kind of bouncing to the the beat. It was really fun. I have written down rock, comma, very cool beat. And it was Half Flight, not Half Light, Half Flight by Juliana Finch. Yeah, definitely, definitely a cool song. Yeah, put that on my playlist, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Tamika climbed up after the boy, and he got all the way up to the top. And she got there, and he wasn't scared. He was, like, wrapped around the top of the radio transmitter, but he was humming like he was transmitting. And she tried to get him to come down, but he didn't want to because when he was holding on to that, he said he could understand everything, everything about the universe, everything about himself. And she tried tries to pull him away and they slip and start falling. Yep. 
and he falls, she catches him, it pulls her down to where she's only hanging on by her knees, and she's like, I can't let go of him. I mean, she's definitely ready to sacrifice herself for the kid. She can't just let him go, which is, of course, the moment when one of the floaty ball guys from the weather department goes by. (laughs) And she's able to snag hold of the weather balloon, and the weight of all of them gently lowers them all down to the ground, at which point the person who was in the floaty ball was like, you know that's a penalty, right? (laughs) It was so cute. I do love that kind of, even if it's a half-ass attempt at a Chekhov's gun, I do like a good Chekhov's gun. So this was Chekhov's weather balloon. <laughs> and that's it. Everybody's going to go home. Tamika's going to take the kid home. They're going to read a book. They're going to read something way more upbeat, like the Joy Luck Club, which I can't remember all of Joy Luck Club, but when they're talking about, oh yeah, it sounds like it's going to be way more upbeat. It's not. Yeah, it's that's kind of famous for being a real downer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So Cecil ends with, stay tuned for the cracking open of a spine probably a book (laughs) so that's it for our night veil so i by the way i did finish watching a little bit of book of boba fett i watched yay okay what did you think okay so i watched the rest of the episode with the kids on the speeder bikes which was fine irritating and then i don't know why it was irritating it felt more green screeny i guess the entire time yeah it was not it's not a great episode and then i watched the very next episode after that which is actually telling the story of when Boba Fett actually rescued Ming-Na Wen's character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Finnick? Finnick, I think, Fennec? something like Fennec. that. Right, whatever. And tells their whole story into where he's going to recover his ship, I suppose, and kind of ends with the ending of Mandalorian, I guess, season two, that really cool scene where Boba Fett and Fennec defeat what's his name who took over after Jabba the Hutt and that cool scene where you know he sits in the throne and she grabs something to drink very cool that's how the episode ends so it's kind of like getting us to that point and then I started the next episode which is episode five which is the return of the Mandalorian Mm -hmm. yes right from the beginning of that episode just a lot more compelling than anything I was seeing in Boba Fett Boba Fett Book of Boba Fett is not bad but it's just not great. Yeah, I just, I couldn't ever really find a reason to care, and I've heard a bunch of people talk about the fact that it is quite an idea to have the original Boba Fett actor to play Boba Fett. However, he's up there, and the battle scenes maybe don't quite work well. It was definitely more compelling when Ming-Na Wen was doing badass stuff, I think, because I think she can handle that. Yeah. I gotta tell you, though, I think the worst part of any of these Star Wars movies and series where they just aren't great and everything, it's the fucking dialogue. It is just, it's not good. It's yeah. really not good. It and is It is very comic booky in places, and you just kind of yeah. have to ride with it because... It feels like that's just how they're going to go with it. I mean, it's true. You're, you're going to see some stuff with Jedi, and it's going to go like, you know, it's going to go up to 11, basically, the comic book yeah. dialogue. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things that I did enjoy about Andor. It's just everybody, it felt like everybody was talking a bit more naturally, you know? I mean, it's still, a lot of Star Wars has this almost kind of like archaic sort of feel to it a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Like, it is happening a long time ago in a galaxy far away. I just thought Andor managed to sort of figure that out a little bit better so anyway like I don't hate it and I'm going to finish watching it especially since you said there was some good stuff coming in the third season of Mandalorian so I will 
finish it eventually. <laughs> well, speaking of Andor, I watched the first episode of that today. Ooh, and, I, and? I like that, and I agree with you. It feels way more grounded in reality. But it still has fun bits, like that little droid that he's talking to in the beginning. Like, he's telling the droid that it has to lie, and it doesn't know if it has enough power, and he tells him to just, you can't tell anybody where I am, you can't tell anyone where I'm going, and there's this pause, and it kind of tilts to his head one side. That's two lies. <laughs> just thought that was adorable. But also, the dialogue, I think, is, it's just, there are places, trying to think, there was a bit in the West Wing at one point where the character Toby was demonstrating to somebody how to write speeches and how to yeah. be compelling. And a lot yeah. of it is down to the rhythm of how you yes. group things together and deliver them in sequence. And there was that one speech by the security guy. You know, his underling has come in to tell him about two security people who got murdered by Cassian. And. Sure. The head security guy is not interested in following up on this because these two guys were losers. And it's interesting that his reason for wanting to cover it up is pretty much exactly what happened, that they chose the wrong person to annoy and picked a fight and lost, and that was how they died. But, you know, his underling is just saying, but two people, they were murdered. And he said, no, they weren't. They got into a fight. And then he says this. They were in the brothel, which we're not supposed to have, the expensive one, which they shouldn't be able to afford, drinking Ruvenol, which we're not supposed to allow. And I just had to stop and rewind that because I thought that's de- it was delivered well, it was written well, and yeah. it's a great way to start this that the higher-ups don't want to deal with it, and yet the reason why Cassian's going to be in trouble is some underling has... He's like conscious of his duty to the point where he's not going to listen to his superior tell him, just let it go, which ordinarily that would be a good guy. But in this case, he's going to be causing a world of trouble for everybody. I mean, even his underlings are like, oh, really? So I do I do enjoy all of that. I think. It seems like it's going to be a really compelling story, and I've liked all of the actors. Nobody's irritated me yet, and everybody looks great. You know, I love all of the... Uh, the aesthetics that people are wearing to become aliens, the makeup, the delivery, basically the actors they've chosen are all really nice to look at. So yeah, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah, I was trying for a little while to find an example. I I liked this tweet. I thought I liked it. Apparently I didn't like it like it. I probably saw it and went, oh, wow, that looks interesting. So somebody said the difference between Andor and some of the other Star Wars shows is that Andor is more interested in how things work and other shows are interested in what people do and like Andor is talking about what does it take to have an all-encompassing empire and how that slowly becomes a fascist regime and how a revolution builds up from that and that's you know that's how it works while as Return of the Jedi is just like well what what would happen if we had a guy who could slice apart a ship with a lightsaber you know? it's just, <laughs> just, just how it works with what so yeah it's just it's it's definitely a, a deeper show but unfortunately like you know I've, we've said it a bunch of times Andor is more of a downer there isn't a lot of because it is talking about like how people are getting knuckled under by the Empire and you know why a lot of people in power don't care and that's like it's a little too close to modern politics uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, yeah. you get the whole, 
uh, the ends justifying the means for revolution and the bad things that people can do because they think that might actually make things better for other people who aren't actually there right now. Yeah, there is a speech at one point where someone talks about the fact like, I'm fighting for this, but I'm not going to be one of the people who's going to enjoy it. That's I'm not going to enjoy the benefits of that. That's oh not my god, why that's I'm here. That's definitely from uh, Serenity, isn't it? The uh, the assassin that comes after him and um, yeah, Mal yeah. tells him, you know, so we've got to die so you and yours can live in your perfect world. And he's like, I'm not going to live in the perfect world. I'm a monster. That's yeah, and which is yeah. which is scarier, I think, than the people yes. who think. I want to make my life better by torturing and destroying you. Whereas this one person is like, I believe so much in this society that we're building that I will do things that mean I'll never be able to live in that society. Oh, like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Actually, there's there's a little bit of that going on. So it's really, yeah, I do recommend. But I am looking forward to like some stuff in third season of Mandalorian where it's just like, oh, wow, that's so cool. So you know, like cool. Yes, yeah, I think you're going to like that. <laughs> Definitely more uplifting, for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So last thing, we wanted to talk really briefly. So if you listened to last week's episode, you know that Catherine had watched Host. That very evening, I sat down and I watched Host as well. And oh my God, you were not kidding about the jump scares. Oh, good Lord. Okay, should we do spoilers about this? Or do we not yes. want to give it away? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's, what was that, 2020 that it came out? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. been a few years. So if you yes. don't, you skip to the end or, or don't listen to the rest of this if you don't want to be spoiled, but my God, that last jump scare, when they're going into the darkened room and the only thing they're able to light their way with is the flashes from her little Polaroid camera, and you're just sitting there, you're waiting for something to come jumping out of the flash, and you're waiting for it, and you're waiting for it, and then it happens. <laughs> you are not prepared as much as you think that you're prepared, you're not prepared. But no. Ooh, worst death in that movie was probably the woman whose face was getting slammed against the laptop over and over oh, again. Oh, yes. Holy but it cow. was so scary because she had made an animated or a, a video <gasps> background of yes. herself in a pair of pajamas walking into the room and brushing her hair and then walking out again. So when she disappears and you see that and everyone's like, oh, did you get your jammies on? And you're like wait a minute, I don't think that's her. And then her face just comes out of nowhere and slams into the keyboard. Ah! Oh, God. Which is, I did that to you and Nathan at one point. So I had a friend at work who had shown me how you take a picture of yourself, a screen cap of yourself on Zoom, just looking at the camera. And it's helpful if you put like your hand up next to your face, some way that it shows that you're just holding still. Mm-hmm. So people are looking at your face like, is your camera frozen? I think your camera's frozen. Are you just holding still? What's happening? But that's just your background, and you're sort of far enough away from the camera that it's only picking up the background, and then you move forward and you come into the screen. It's like, <laughs> it's very creepy. And I love the fact that I learned how to do that like six months ago, and this movie was in 2020, and they already knew how to do oh, that. Oh, they already so knew how like, to oh, do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> you're right also that it is a really good snapshot of what life was like in the pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's in their bubble. There is a moment when two girls, like, meet up and they, you know, kind of like, instead of shaking hands or hugging, they just like touch elbows and everything. I mean, it kind of captures that whole feel of these are kids and kids kind of break the rules a lot, but these kids, they're staying home because it was freaking scary in 2020. Everyone was thinking we were all going to die and a lot of people did. So it was a nice snapshot. I did, I did think that the characters were more likable here than in Mm -hmm. um, Unfriended and there were just funny moments like, 
they, they're going to have a medium come on to the Zoom call and lead a seance. But before she gets there, they're talking about it. And they're like, the, the guy friend who's on the call, he suggests that they need to have a drinking game where they take a shot every time the medium says like a astral plane or something. That's it. Yep, and they're yep, like, yep. And they laugh about that. Oh, we'll just have to duck down and take a drink, whatever. And she gets on and she says astral plane at one point. And you focus on this one girl and she's giving this smile. And it was so perfect because it is exactly the smile when you give. And you're like, aha, uh-huh, I know something you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> also, there was some stuff that was unlikable, but in that satisfying horror movie way, the guy character has been dating this woman, and before he comes on, the girls are talking about it, and no one likes this woman, and it's so clear that one of the other girls likes the guy, so she's dealing with the fact that, one, she really likes this guy, two, he's dating a woman, no one likes the woman. They come onto the call, and it just... I thought it was really well done. The woman is not a horrible monster and everything, but she's clearly an unlikable person who is kind of taking their friend away from them. And I just, I thought it was really subtly done. You want to have somebody who, spoilers, when they die, it's kind of satisfying, but it can't be too cartoonish. And uh, I thought they they walked that line pretty well. You got to have somebody that you're kind of hoping dies, but it's still going to horrify you when they die. And ooh, that was a horrifying death. I also liked the fact that all of this was started by one of the girls in the middle of the seance pretending that she'd just been touched on her neck or something and she was just remembering someone that she knew who hung himself and she's crying and everything and the medium leaves and then she looks over and she starts laughing and she made it all up. And it was like, it's a terrible thing to do. And you can also see that everybody's got a friend in their group who is not going to take it seriously, and she's going to make a terrible joke. And then the person who coordinated everything is going to be really pissed off and is going to sit there and sulk about it. And it's just all of this, the interactions were so realistic. So when horrible things start happening, it feels you just like start looking behind yourself as you're talking on a Zoom call. Sorry, I'm looking behind myself now. (laughs) Yeah. And one thing I really liked was you would even notice that when you first started watching it. You said, oh, wow, this this movie's only an hour long. That's because that's the limit with the free Zoom account, that the call will end. And that is how the movie actually ends. And then there's this wonderful, the credits are scrolling through a contact list on Zoom. And I'm sitting here obviously freaked out because I've just watched a very scary movie. But I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, that's wonderful. That's, that's really so well done. clever. Yeah. Yeah, it was really well done. And I do think it was more more of a grounded horror than unfriended. But again, like I said last episode, it's not really fair to compare the two because they're no. two entirely different movies. And I think no. both of them have something to recommend. They do. And while this is newer and it's got modern technology and it was also filmed entirely using Zoom during the pandemic, so that's a heck of an accomplishment right there. But you go back to unfriended and you look at all of those menus that are popping up and and how that's all coordinated. And that didn't happen by accident and certainly didn't happen in the moment. A lot of that had to have been added in post. And then you consider that when this movie was translated into other languages, they translated all the windows too. I'm thinking Lordy. that's unbelievable. It really wow. is. Yeah, that was, I mean, golly, the post-production on Unfriended must have been longer than the actual production. Seriously. But there was a lot, I mean... Just having to coordinate however many people. I think at one point it was probably nine different windows, I suppose, on Zoom for host. Just to coordinate all that. And 
there's always going to be people who think, oh, that's pretty easy. They just recorded a Zoom call. No, that was all that was all done very carefully and edited together extremely well. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, but I uh, I love the trivia that they filmed this uh, in chronological order, and they did not tell all of the different actors what was going to be happening to the other characters so they could get more of a reaction when something happened. <laughs> uh, uh, whoa, wow. <laughs> that little bonus thing at the end where they had actually gotten somebody with the actors. Was all of that real, that little bonus thing at the end? I feel like it was that they actually, you know, ran through a real seance or sort of thing just so they could get a little bit of a feel of what this person running it was going to say and how all that would work. And like, but it would also be funny if that ended up not being what it was. Little bonus thing. It's like, uh, it's almost like, I don't know, Curse of the Blair Witch, you know? Ooh, here's some bonus content of what really happened. It didn't really happen. (laughs) But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixLadyGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. I'd say we're getting closer to DesignerCon, but it's like a month later this year than it has been in past years, so we've still got a bit of a wait on that. I think so, yeah. Well, um, Nathan and I are still hoping to get to the Comic-Con in Durham this year. Um, and I've actually made progress on my EmojiBots foam feet. You know, I took everything nice. apart and put it back together again. I'm like, huh, that works better. So maybe I'll actually be able to attend and wear that. Nice. Very nice. I know New York Comic Con, I think, was this past week. And uh-huh. I, I was totally not plugged into any of that. I want to go back so bad. I do, too. I think we need to arrange to go back to a Manhattan for New York Comic Con. I'm still, yeah. I was thinking about that, about Sigourney Weaver. And I'm positive that the announcement that she was going to be in that um, Marvel TV show, crap, mm. what was it, The Defenders? Sure. (laughs) Anyway, I I am positive that announcement was what we were hearing when it suddenly sounded like, you know, an entire audience losing their friggin' minds. And we're like out on the street and we're hearing that sound. So that was fun. Oh, cool. I guess it would be pretty tricky to get the EmojiBot costumes all the way up to Manhattan, wouldn't it? That'd be like a whole extra suitcase all by themselves. I huh? think so. Unfortunately, that's that's just the um, that's just the problem with those helmets, though, and the feet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the feet now could possibly collapse. The helmets aren't collapsing. They've got no. Bondo all over them. <laughs> you, you won't collapse oh, yeah. those things without creating shrapnel. Yeah, no. <sighs> Maybe we'll work something out at some point. Other cosplayers do it all the time. I know. Somebody can manage it. They would just, like, all, like, take the train. I don't know. (laughs) Sure. Something. Ship them out ahead of time. Whatever. Anyway, all that and more. PixLadyGeek.com. So, at some point in the future, you and I are actually going to be in the same physical space, Mm -hmm. and we may actually record an in-person thing, or not, and we will do a fan art post. We haven't decided, because we never decide this stuff ahead of time. No, of course not. That would require planning, and that's not our thing. No. But, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody uh, one week, two weeks, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Talk to y'all later.
the number. Sorry, sorry, one second. Okay. You know? No, I'm not going to say that because then I'm going to admit I probably shouldn't put that out in the world. Probably so shouldn't bet. Darn it. I'm not even going to be able to use this as an outtake. Crap. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Damn it. You can use that part that you can't use an outtake. <laughs> can't say what we were outtaking. Ha ha. All right. Start over.